Love Our Fret Tea Talk, make sure you follow us for our latest episode. And all you need is your favorite drink and grab a seat, because our Fret Tea Talks will never miss a beat. Hey everybody, Season 5, Between Frets. I'm your host Jenny Jam for this episode. We hope you're enjoying our season so far. We have a few episodes left and I'll be doing this one. So, it is middle of May, a couple weeks away or about a week away from Memorial Day weekend. And so that's the start of summer. We just put some new merchandise up. So if you head to fretsisters.com slash shop, you'll see some new items like notebooks and water bottles. And that's perfect for the summer season. So head on over there. We want to thank all the our supporters um, and people that bought our merchandise. So definitely thank you for supporting the Fret Sisters and Between Frets. So uh, the guest that I am interviewing is playing right behind me. Her name is MJ and she's multi-talented guitarist. She has some great content on a YouTube and Instagram page, and she's a family law lawyer. So this lady is killing it. Yes, she's doing the music, and she's helping people out with their legal issues. Isn't that great? So next up, let's visit with MJ. Peace and love. Welcome to Between Frets, a space where female musicians meet and discuss all things music. I'm your host, Jenny Jam. Today's guest is rally bass guitar player, MJ. She released her second EP, Gemini, in this year, January 2021, which was recorded and produced by Grammy Award winner, Larry Mitchell. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She is also an attorney and runs her own divorce and family law firm located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome, MJ. Hi, how are you? I'm doing so well, and I want to take a time and thank you for having me. So it's 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 a real pleasure to uh, be on your your podcast. Yeah, well, behalf on behalf on the, uh, the Fret Sisters and Between Frets, we thank you for taking the time to um, talk to us. Because, you know, of course, we've been, you know, scouring social media and we find, you know, the female musicians out there that are really putting it out there and, you know, doing the girl power. So, yeah, we're so happy that you were happy, you know, to take our interview and thank you. The music industry is just being revolutionized by, uh, you know, female musicians out there. So when I first started playing, um, there weren't a whole lot of female guitar players in particular, you know, usually most women that I knew anyway, either, you know, sang or vocalist or pianist or played like a string instrument, an orchestra or something. But boy, has that changed? Yeah, it has changed. And we have been seeing like a big revolution of female guitarists and and even just musicians and what's so amazing is that 
everybody's embracing that, which I love, you know. Love it. So. And, and many of them are, are, are top-notch performers too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and I see um, various female players out there and it's just unbelievable the yeah. skill level too. That they're- I, yeah, I feel that. I definitely agree with it. That's so, a great time to be a part of the industry. It really oh, is. Definitely, definitely. And that's why we want to get to know you more. We want our listeners to get to know you more and, you know, take a look at all your work out there. Um, you know, tell us how the musical life began with you. So I first started studying um, probably when I was about, I, I think I started taking formal lessons when I was 10 or so. Um I bugged my parents for two years to um, to buy me a guitar, and around ten or so, um, they they bought me um, my first electric, and I started taking lessons from a teacher that actually taught my dad when my dad was a teenager. Um, and then from there, I moved on to studying jazz guitar, and um, I had a great local jazz teacher. I grew up in Buffalo, New York, by the way, mm. which was sort of tantamount to growing up in Canada because we're so close to the border there and it's used to all the snow and everything that comes with it. So um, the music scene in Buffalo, though, ironically, has kicked out uh, a number of incredible players, obviously, you know, Billy Sheen and the like, mm. and um, Dave Constantino from the Talus and the Tweeds. Um, you may have heard of Talus. Billy Sheen started off in Talus way back when. Yeah, I know Billy um, Sheen. <laughs> so, yeah, so I studied with a jazz teacher. I was very fortunate because he stressed, you know, music theory and reading and ear training and reading. He taught me how to read jazz charts and transpose jazz charts. So, you know, when I was in middle school, I'd go to study hall and finish my homework and then work on transposing different um, you know, jazz pieces, a lot of the standards out of the jazz real book and stuff. And then I was fortunate to meet um, another uh, guitar player out of um, New York. His name is Tony Scazzaro. Um, he graduated from um, Musicians Institute mm-hmm. or Guitar Institute. Um, I believe it's referred to as MI now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. the acronym that they use. But he graduated top of his class way back when. And to have him in the Buffalo area and be able, being able to access him for lessons was just an incredible opportunity. So he always gave me plenty of homework every week. Um, and I, I learned a ton from him. Um, great fusion player. And he plays a lot of jazz now, but he, he lives down in, uh, in the Florida area. So um, St. Augustine, Florida. So, so I was very fortunate at that time to you know, have a lot of great teachers. Plus I was gigging out a lot. And then um, my late teens, I landed a teaching job at a local music store. Um, actually where Dave Constantino teaches out of um, the, the guitar player and singer from Talos and um, had taught there and then moved to Southern California to attend law school. And then it was like, this whole other dimension opened up of players and access to, you know, just things that I had never even been accustomed to or heard before and got a chance to meet some great players out there. And I gigged all the way through law school and taught at two different music stores out there. And um, it was, it was just a phenomenal experience. And then subsequent to that, I relocated to the DC area, did some gigging there. 
And um, as of about 2009 or so, I've been in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is quite different from, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, from um, the D.C. and um, Southern California area. So there was a bit of an adjustment period, but um, I still do my music here and um, I run a law firm during the day, North Hills Family Law out of Raleigh, North Carolina. So uh, between music and practicing law, um, everything keeps me really busy. So I'm pretty fortunate. Yeah, yeah. And that's um, so intriguing about you is the law aspect, because they're they're like two passions, I guess. And you're dealing with two major like things like, you know, in your life. So like what got you into, you know, law and deciding to go to law school? Well, you know, it's sort of interesting because when I was about to graduate from high school, I was really trying to decipher, should I go the regular academic route, the non-music route, and pursue a degree and continue to do music, or should I go to music school? And I had applied to um, Berkeley School of Music and was accepted and was offered a scholarship at uh, Mercyhurst um, School of Music um, in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, They have a great classical guitar program. But one of the things I kept on hearing at that time was, um, because I was going to go the music music education route, um, is, you know, a lot of the the high school programs, middle school programs at that time, at least in New York, were doing cutbacks on the music programs. So it made me a little bit nervous. So I, you know, inevitably I thought, well, you know, I always want to go to law school. I could follow that path. So I did my undergrad and graduate degrees in criminal justice in the Buffalo, New York area, and then went for another three years to finish law school in Southern California. So I, I, I did uh, nine years full-time straight through of schooling, but the cool part about music is no matter what you're doing, whether it be school or work or something in between, it's, it's one of those things that you can always continue to do. So mm-hmm. um, But I did go in 2010, I did the online Berkeley School music program and obtained a uh, special certificate in rock, blues and jazz, because I always wanted to go and and do something music related um, on the academic side. So I finally had an opportunity to do that. And I'm glad I did, because I I was able to meet um, some great players from from all over the world. I I don't know if you're familiar with that program, but they do. Um, four college credit courses online. Well, at least they've been doing it since I can remember, since 2009 or 10 or so. But um, it's a great program, and you can sort of study, you know, at your own pace and and everything, and have full access to the Berkeley teachers. So yes, yeah, mm. so I was pretty fortunate in that respect. But so I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Um, as much as you know, I'd love to be able to do music full time. I guess during COVID, I was a little bit grateful that um, maybe I chose the path I did. But, um, you know, because obviously with not being able to gig out and most of the tours being canceled and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm still, you know, hopeful that maybe at some point or not, I'll I'll get to join a tour with, you know, one of the major acts out there. I sort of have things set up in my firm now um, with my associate attorney and stuff like that, that if there's a mutual understanding, let's just say that if I need to leave for a certain amount of time um, to attend to other things, say if a a great opportunity comes up on the music end, I certainly can't. So 
That's so great too, that it's all set up like that. Like it's like this musical or actually not even the musical path, but your life path of how two, you know, two things come together and you're able, you, you go through that. You might've maybe struggled through the, some of, you know, some of it, you know, like music and law, but now it's at a point where it's like you, you can, you know, kind of make your own schedule and write your own schedule. So that's a beautiful thing about that, and, and that's exactly what I do. I mean, I'm not going to lie. My, my schedule is very hectic at times, <laughs> especially if I'm getting ready to go to trial um, and then trying to balance some music things. Um, I've been doing a lot of writing, you know, over the last year and stuff like that. But it's fine. Once you get on a schedule and um, and you get accustomed to that, it all works out. So, yeah, yeah. Um, the, only, the only thing I've noticed is sometimes I have to more focused practice sessions, like if there's a certain technique or something that I want to start incorporating, then I have to set a certain amount of time dedicated to that particular mm-hmm. item. So, um, but it all works out. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm blessed. I can't complain. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so let's get into your writing. Um, I know this is your second EP. Um, and Larry Mitchell, I mean, he's like, you know, he's like, I see him all over. I even actually um, met him in North Carolina, actually. Yeah. Nicest guy. And um, he was at a guitar summit out down there and then at Summer Nam. So how did that come together? So we we sort of started talking and chatting on Instagram, um, you know, because I'd always been a fan of Larry growing up. I can remember um, there was, you know, growing up and playing guitar, even when I started during the 80s, there was this magazine called Guitar Player for the Practicing Musician. I don't know if you remember that, but um, it was like one of the, the, the go-to or premier magazines, you know, with tabs for songs, lessons. Um, Steve Morris used to write a column in there. And I remember seeing him in the guitar magazine. So I was always a fan of his playing. And at that time, he was endorsed by Ibanez. And it played Ibanez. So during the 80s, it was all about the, the Ibanez and the floating tremolo system, you know, the Floyd Rose mm-hmm. tremolo system, the whammy tricks, you know, with Vi and Satriani and all that. So, yeah. um, so I'd always been a fan. So we had met um, on Instagram. And then as it turns out, he was playing at the Musician Summit in Durham, North Carolina, um, so I'd gone down there to, to go check out um, his playing and whatnot. We've become really good friends ever since. So um, not only is he an incredible guitar player and phenomenal musician, but he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. So mm-hmm. um, as it turns out, he does a lot of production recording work. Um, so we had started talking about recording an EP. So he came up to Raleigh and brought his mobile setup on Pro Tools and whatnot. And I use Ableton. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that software, but I recorded the um, the scratch tracks in Ableton, and then we transferred them to Pro Tools and um, worked them and mixed them down and um, and everything. So I, I'm blessed because he's he's an absolute genius when it comes to production work. And, you know, even during the recording process, he, he was offering suggestions, no, do it like this and play this part like that and, and everything. And just things I would have never even thought about and just a different way of approaching and thinking about things. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, I'm blessed to have him as a friend. I really am. So. 
Yeah, that's amazing that he did all that. I mean, shout out to Larry Mitchell. Wow. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. he's just, yeah, and he, he's a wealth of knowledge. So, I mean, just about anything in the music industry, I mean, he, he's always a great resource to go to to either bounce an idea off or just ask for general advice. So, mm-hmm. um, and then I was able to get Derek Sherinian to play some keys on Gemini. I saw that. Yeah, so, um, which was just phenomenal. So we recorded the tracks and sent them to him in uh, Southern California. He did a few takes of some different solo ideas, sent them back, and then Larry mixed them down. So mm. it's just an incredible experience. And by the way, he he's a great guy to work with, too, if anybody ever needs help with keyboards or, you know, um, session work for any of their, you know, mm. their original music. Um, mm. Just phenomenal. So that's awesome. Your um, EP, I took a listen to it and it kind of gave me um, a Joe Satriani type vibe. And, uh, you know, yeah, 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 just like the because of because I'm a big Joe Satriani fan. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Joe's great. Yeah. yeah. But um, what I mean by that is composition wise, because the way he takes his compositions and how his guitar work sings and melodies that you can sing along with. And that's how I felt when I listened to your stuff. Um, what was your influence, I guess, writing that or your... Well, you know, I, you know, I probably approach writing maybe a little bit different than a lot of people because it's sort of an eclectic mix of different styles. Like, you know, there's a tune on there called She's So Jazzy. Mm-hmm. And that tune is, is a rocking tune, but yet it's using, you know, a lot of the the jazz comping chords, major sevens, minor seven, flat fives and all that. So my problem is I like a little bit of everything. So it's hard to sort of like, you know, pigeonhole me into one particular style. So, you know, I'm not really, I I wouldn't classify classify myself as a, you know, your typical shredder type um, guitar player. I've heard some people say that. I've heard the, you know, the the Joe Satriani, um, influence commentary before and whatnot. And some people have said that, which by the way, I'm very flattered and honored to hear that because Joe has always been a huge, huge influence as well as Steve Vai. But mm-hmm. typically when I write, what I do is um, I try and go for a, a melodic idea. So I might have a progression and I typically write all clean too, which is a little different maybe than other people approach, maybe at a slower tempo and come up with some melody ideas and then throw down the, the sections in, in Ableton and just play over it and play over it until the ideas come and then write the arrangement and then combine it together. So, and then sometimes tear it all apart, decides terrible, right? <laughs> yeah. And then because what may seem like a good idea one night and then you go back and listen to it the next day, um, you're like, hey, I'm not having that. So, um, but that's sort of my approach to writing. And I've always loved to write. Um, I mean, to me, that's just, I mean, that's a huge part of being a musician, right? Is to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, um, explore your artistic side and write and, and come up with your own ideas. So it's something I've always enjoyed doing. I know with the shredder um, kind of, you know, yeah. thing that people put up, I know, I notice on your Instagram, what I love about um, your social media is 
um, you show you're like spreading your knowledge or sharing this knowledge. And I mean, you do have a lot of cool licks and you provide tabs to it. You know, I mean, have you ever instructed or like, you know, I just think it's so cool that you that you offer that. Yeah. So back in the day, I used to teach, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was going to law school and then even prior to law school. And now that I'm so busy, you know, with the legal stuff, I sort of wanted to get back to that. So I tab and notate a lot of my stuff in um, I think it's um, Guitar Pro or one of those programs. But it's a nice program where you can Mm -hmm. actually tab and notate stuff out in sort of an organized, fresh format. And then what I do is, you know, I approach different licks and theory ideas to give examples and then do a short snippet and post it up on Instagram. And sort of what I've been doing over this past year is banking away, you know, all the PDFs to lessons and stuff, because eventually I want to write a guitar method book, um, because it seems like one of the toughest things for players, you know, first couple of years when they start playing is to um, understand like different modal techniques and playing and stuff. But when you really tear it down and look at it from a theory standpoint, it's really pretty easy. So I'm hoping, you know, at some point I can put together a method book that maybe offers an easier approach or way of thinking a more pattern-based approach to modal playing and and incorporating different licks and stuff like that. Because, you know, the general misconception of modal players and shred players is that it's all very extremely technical and tough to understand and whatnot. But really when you break everything down, it's, it's pretty simplistic. So if I can figure out a way to, to convey that in a method book for other players for in an easy way to understand, that would be great. So that's sort of my goal. Um, over the next year. And by the way, I don't charge for any of my lesson stuff or anything. So it's all free of charge. And that it's not that there's anything wrong with doing that. Other players use patron and, and everything else, but um, I've sort of wanted to provide like a free resource for people just to log on and take different concepts and incorporate it in their playing um, without having to pay anything. And I know everybody feels different about that. Um, I'm blessed because, you know, I, um, I work, you know, as an attorney and run my own firm. So that's how I generate most of my revenue. I know for other people though, they're, you know, they're, they're depending off of what they make off of music and stuff. So, but, um, so that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, it's always good to like share your knowledge and, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of, it, it really helps believe me because I'm, I'm one of them that goes online and yeah. so I'll be waiting for that book. <laughs> And by the way, I do the same thing with other players, you know, um, I'm always, you know, I mean, so, you know, my approach to music is you can never learn enough. I mean, I could spend another five lifetimes trying to learn this instrument and I still won't even have learned, you know, a, a small fraction of what's out there. So I do the same thing. You know, I talk to other players, um, I study other players, um, you know, like a couple months back, I was really into trying to get a grip on some Frank Gambale stuff and how he approaches his arpeggiated shapes and stuff like that. It's just limitless in, mm-hmm. in terms of what's out there and what you can learn. So I'm doing the same thing everybody else is doing, and that is just trying to learn and, and get better. So that's awesome. Well, yeah. speaking of instruments, 
I yeah. know um, I want to talk about your gear, especially your guitars, because I'm a PRS lover. Yeah. I love PRS. Yeah. So I noticed you have a lot of them. So, yeah. I do. I'm addicted to them. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit. Um, yeah, I sort of stumbled upon PRS when I was in Southern California. Um, when I was living out there in Orange County, Los Angeles area, they were huge um, on the West Coast. And I, I had a friend that had one and um, I was able to convince them to let me borrow it for a gig. I'm not sure he ever got a back or it'd been a while, but um, I um, I typically play what's called a, um, it's a Paul Reed Smith Custom 24. Um, let me see if you can see that. But yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. This is one of the newest ones to my collection. It has a pattern thin style neck. Um, some are what's referred to as pattern regular, and I have some of those too, which is, you know, your regular type neck. Um, but this one's pattern thin, so it's a little bit easier in terms of playing, um, you know, um, some more shred-based stuff and arpeggiated stuff and sweet picking and all that. But um, this is a 35th anniversary. Um, has the mini toggles on there, too. So um, you can switch between um humbucker sounds and single coil sounds and interchange these so if you want a humbucker and a single coil two humbuckers or two single coils which is just wild right because if you want to you know get like that fender strat type single coil sound you can by just switching the, the toggles here so um but this is a non-floating bridge system, which is what I prefer. Mm -hmm. um, I do have an, an Ibanez too with a floating bridge system, but this is just my preference in terms of whammy bar techniques and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a couple other custom 24s, uh, another one with a pattern thin and then a pattern regular neck and then a few McCarty's. McCarty's are great too. They have a, a fixed bridge. Um, it'd probably be more comparable to like a Les Paul feel and type sound, a little bit more body, um, thicker style neck, you know, typically like wide fat, that type of thing. But the custom 24s are my go-to. So ever since I started playing one of these, um, I've, I've been totally addicted. It's just everything I like about a guitar in terms of feel, style, um, and you can't go wrong with the tops, right? Oh, so, I know, I know. The finish is beautiful. Yeah, and this one is actually a non-tin top, believe it or not. Oh, um, it actually looks like a tin top. Um, you can tell sometimes, you know, if you've been playing PRS for a long time, you can recognize the tin from the non-tin tops. I guess it's, um, it, my understanding is, is that um, the tin tops have non-dead spots in the maple, whereas some of the non-tens have some dead spots, but this is a non-ten top, and it's, I mean, it looks every bit of a tin um, when you look at it, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, but it is a 35th anniversary. Um, I, I think they released these about a year ago, something like that, mm -hmm. in our Pulse uh, 35th anniversary, so, but he just, he's, he's a genius when it comes to yes. guitar making and just, makes incredible guitars and they're actually um handmade in your home state yeah and uh St stevensville i think it's called yeah yep i've been to the factory so, a couple times <laughs> so i have not been to the factory yet you but have to um, go. <laughs> i'd love to um you know 
Hopefully one day they'll give me an endorsement. I know they need to give you an endorsement. Um, That's, you know, it's been something um, I've been thinking about going forward, but um, yeah, it's Real, real quick, because I, I noticed a video you did. It was a Gilmore style. Was it that guitar uh-huh. that you used? Um, I, I actually, yeah, I used, um, it might have been on my purple PRS Custom 24. I mean, what you were doing, I'm like, she's using a PRS. Like, that's how versatile this guitar is. Like, you yeah, know, you can use them for just about anything. That's, that's what I that's love. The, that's the cool thing. Like, you know, I have a friend of mine that's um, a PRS endorsed artist and she plays jazz. She's mm-hmm. a phenomenal jazz player um, and she uses PRS. And then I have other friends, you know, that play more metal and shred um, and really, really heavy stuff. Um, that use PRS and then all the people in between that play rock. Um, I've seen country players use them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're, they're, it's just a very versatile guitar. So what about like um, what you use for like your tone, like your pedals, your amps, you know, or especially in your um, EP, like. What so that's use? interesting. You know, I was always a huge tube amp mm-hmm. um, fanatic you know, and I still am to a certain degree. And I was all about analog effects. Um, So, um, you know, I would use, I have a 36 inch custom New York City custom pedal board um, that they make, um, you know, that has all analog effects. So it has like the TC electronic analog unit, uh, the Nova system, full tone effects, Wampler effects, exotic wall, stuff like that. And then they came out with the Line 6 Helix. Mm-hmm. And I keep in mind when they first, you know, before I tried it, I'm still not a believer because, you know, I'd gone through and, and seen a lot of the other ant modeling effects through the years and stuff. And it just wasn't quite there yet, I guess. But then I, I tried the Line 6 Helix and I was just totally blown away because, I mean, you can pretty much simulate um, every cabinet, um, that's on there and not to mention the the ease of the setup too so you can literally just bring your pedal board right you know you no longer have to bring an app if you're using app modeling and if you can plug straight in through the board on the stage and come out the front end and for people that like an amp or something behind them for you know stage presence or you know just stage sound you can use a, a powered speaker. So that's what I do. I have a powered head rush and I have a line six um, helix unit, which fits in a roller case. And you bring a guitar and your cables and maybe a monitor for the stage. So it's the ease and simplicity of the setup. And the cool part is too, like if you're if you're traveling abroad or somewhere and you don't even want to bring your helix, you can literally download your your tones, your presets um, on a zip drive. And I mean, in theory, you could plug that in and and use the same unit anywhere else with your presets in the world. So 
just the idea of that alone, like the efficiency and the simplicity of that and being able to share presets. Like a couple months back, I had somebody that reached out to me um, about my presets and said, hey, can you send me your presets? Because I really love your tone. And I've done that before for other players. And within two minutes, I was able just to, you know, send it over via email and they can load it on their end. So, I mean, I really think eventually that's where all the, you know, the technology is going. So I figured I might as well get them on board with it at some point. So, and it's, it's actually um, very intuitive too, you know, because remember when amp modeling and the whole processing, you know, guitar effects processing um, technology started, a lot of it wasn't very intuitive and user-friendly. And I think that turned off a lot of players, right? Because as players growing up, we were used to stomping on something, right? Mm -hmm. Physical, up on stage. And that's just sort of how we've been acclimated to things. But now, I mean, if, if you can basically work an iPhone, you can work the Helix <laughs> system. I mean, that's how easy it is to use in terms of the layout and and um, the settings and stuff. So, and I just love the simplicity of it. But yeah, I use the Line Six Helix um, on that entire EP and nothing else. I, I know that they have like Helix and uh, Head Rush. I know there's a couple of them. Great. Yeah. yeah, that they're all coming out. You know, and a lot of I've noticed a lot of musicians, you know, going towards that because of the ease of use. The and the intuitive, that's the one thing too, I think that, you know, is bring is gravitating, you know, like musicians are gravitating for that towards yeah, that. I mean, basically, if you can turn on a computer and work on iPhone, it's the way they're set up now. I mean, they're relatively easy. The other unit that's become really popular is Fractal. Oh, too. Fractal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Larry Mitchell uses um, Fractal stuff and he had brought his up when we recorded my EP and I had a chance to check that out. So, I mean, they're all great units, you know. Um, you know, the biggest thing is just spending a little time to tweak your own individual sound on it, you know. Um, once you sort of learn the logistics of that and find your sound and what you like um, and adjust your settings, I mean, you're good to go. So I can't imagine doing it any other way now that I'm so acclimated to this setup and this system. So what I do is for each of um, my, my tunes off my EP um, and a few others, by the way, that haven't been released yet, um, I do different patch settings on my board for each of them. So each individual tune is set with, you know, specifically time delay, specific clean tones, specific, um, you know, lead tones and whatnot for each tune. So that way when I'm live streaming, I just literally go to the bank on that particular tune and I have, you know, six plus presets that are catered towards that individual tune. So I, you know, I think about the way I used to do it before with individual pedals. And then, you know, sometimes when you're gigging out and you're doing a certain tune, you may have to reach down and tweak something manually. Mm -hmm. I, I can't. <laughs> I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. And I still meet a lot of players that still prefer to do it that way. But I just, I mean, now that I'm acclimated to this system, I can't imagine doing it any other way. Mm. But so, but the amp modeling technology as a whole um, has come a long way. It's just completely revolutionized the entire industry on that end. So, so 
So I can't, you know, I, I talk with some of my musician friends and I can't imagine where we're going to be, you know, like another five, 10 years from now. It's, it's just wild what's going on. And then with the MIDI stuff that continues to get better, mm-hmm. it's just unbelievable. A lot of good guitar toys for us to play around with. <laughs> you got, yeah, I mean, the, well, the, here, here's the problem with being a modern day guitar player, too, is you could spend all day between, you know, tweaking tones, messing with technology, messing with, um, you know, your recording software and different plugins. I, it's just endless, you know, so. I just want to thank you, MJ, for like yeah. talking to us and just. My pleasure. Letting us, yeah, letting us get to know you. Gosh, we definitely want to shout out your social media, um, your Instagram. Can you tell our listeners where they can follow you? Sure. So um, I'm at Major Guitar, well, MAJ Guitar, which are my initials, Michelle Addison Julian Guitar. Um, that's MAJ Guitar at Instagram. And on Instagram, um, on my profile section, I have the link tree set up you may be familiar with. Mm-hmm. And that has links to YouTube, Facebook, um, Bandcamp, where my EP's on right now. Um, I am in the process of getting it on my EP on Spotify and Apple Music and whatnot. Apparently, it's going through the artist review period mm-hmm. um, on CD Baby right now. Um, the platform that you use for Spotify or one of the yeah. platforms and Apple Music and stuff. So, but if you go to um, MAJ Guitar on Instagram, there's links via Linktree to all. Okay. Well, we'll definitely put that in our show notes, all the links so that our listeners can click on it. So um, make sure that you visit her Instagram, her YouTube, go on her, go on her Linktree, get hooked up on her uh, EP. Definitely, you know, and we can't wait to see you go out there and perform. Definitely follow her so we can see where you're gigging at, (laughs) who you're touring with. (laughs) Hopefully that starts again. It it, it seems like this whole COVID mess is starting to get a little bit better now that we have the immunizations out there. So uh, the gigs will come around again. Yep, gigs uh, are coming in slowly. Yeah, Yeah, so, yeah. (laughs) All right. But thank you for having me. And um, it's an honor and a pleasure. And I do really appreciate the fact that you guys have included me um, in your podcast. That means a lot to me. So, well, we're happy to have you. Season five um, Between Frets, Fret Sisters. Yay, let's go. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, we'll stay in touch. And um, okay, definitely. I appreciate it again, Jenny. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. You take care. Okay. You too.
If you want to learn more about this progression, then you can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Fret Sisters or email us at fretsistersmusic at gmail.com. Peace and love.